is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. I am, of course, Nick, joined by Abdullah and Jesse, and a special guest today, Abdullah, that I will let you intro as he is your pal, your buddy, your friend. Go for it. <laughs> so. He's my friend, as you said. He's my pal. Um, we are, we are, we uh, we we go a little bit back, but no, this is Om Arvind of Managing Madrid. That's I think where most of you would would hear from him. But he's got some good hot takes on 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 the WSL, on Chelsea, on City, on Gareth Taylor, on Mark Skinner, and then the whole lot. Um, but you know, he he's a he's a pretty damn good analyst, and uh, he's here today to help us break down this very exciting game between Chelsea and City that we're all so we can't wait to break down in 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 essence oh is there anything else you want to add to your intro that I've f- probably forgotten no I mean Abdul and I are talking all the time zooms dms I'm happy to be back on I the last time I was on was a City Chelsea game I can't remember whether it was a league game or FA Cup game it was one of those that was that was fun so I'm happy to be back always glad to talk about Chelsea running the good luck truck back then that's that's awesome uh a a quick uh tweet to start this one because we'll get into some uh you know our typical three or match reviews and stuff but um let's see uh, i believe this is from ohm ohm do you want to narrate your own tweet uh, just to start this uh start this off yeah <laughs> i tweeted out <laughs> man the city chelsea takes are so all over the place this is hilarious i'm doubting everything i'm seeing yeah this was a wild one especially the second half i was seeing all sorts of stuff you know from this is an incredible defensive performance you know we don't have the ball but we're controlling the game that type of narrative to like this has been absolutely awful and it was, you know, Fleming's position, everything. It was, it was wild. It was a good one. So th- this is, this is a good one for the discourse. See where everyone's at. I'm interested what, what you guys have to think about it. I saw some of Adula's tweets. I don't know if I saw Jesse's, but yeah, interested to hear what you guys have to say. I was too nervous about the game to put any tweets out. So I was just like, also because I was watching on like the internet and if I go on Twitter, like I will always have it spoiled for me. So I just had to put my phone away and like be in the zone. Yeah, that is, uh, that's absolutely true. And only some of those terrible takes were from Man City's manager. We'll get into that in, in a few minutes. <laughs> um, so uh, look, uh, three word match review time. Uh, you guys are always, you know, in the discord doing great work. We need to, we need to be better about getting these out ahead of time. Unfortunately, the game is at 630 a.m. my time this morning and uh, I was quite sleepy. So that's, that's on me. Abdullah, three word match review. Big game mentality. I mean, we've just alluded to it. Yes, um, Chelsea were on the back foot in that second half. But I think, again, another big game, another game that Chelsea have come through winning it with three points. And, and you know, like the old cliche goes, if, you know, if you're if you're winning games and not playing too well, then, you know, you're, you're, you're going somewhere. So big game mentality. Jesse? Yeah, I went with behind the sofa because that's basically where I was for like the last 15 <laughs> minutes of this game. And like, I genuinely felt so sick before. Yeah, <laughs> literally, I was like watching through my fingers because I was just like, this is horrendous. Um, especially once Ellen White came on because Ellen White just like, sometimes I feel like she lives just to ruin my life. Um, <laughs> and I've seen her pop up and score so many goals that have fucked me off. And I was convinced it was going to happen again. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Your anxiety gives me anxiety. Uh, that's how I think about that. Uh, oh, and what about you? 
Uh, well, forgive me. I'm not that good at this. And let me explain what I'm about to say, but war criminal football. So, whoa. The reason I'm saying it is... I know Gareth Taylor is bad, but I don't think he's that bad. Yeah, he is, it's, man. It's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, to defend the way Chelsea did at the end. But, you know, we like to joke that's war criminal football. And then we do have to get to a sub Gareth Taylor made. You know, that that really baffled me. So, you know, this is maybe isn't the best one, but it's all it's all that could come to mind. I think it somewhat sums up the spirit of the second half. You know, let's let's leave the uh, the 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 like the value assessments out of this one. It's more about, you know, the vibes of the game. Yeah, it, I would just like to make this uh, announcement for those who are listening. Uh, this podcast abides by the Geneva Convention. Um, so we are. <laughs> We are all a part of the same world here. Uh, I went with game in hand uh, because all this match did. This is, of course, uh, the first in a uh, in a back to back against you know two of the best teams in the league. All this does is position Chelsea with Arsenal's result this weekend to uh, to potentially get back into this thing. When a uh, a couple of months ago we thought, yeah, maybe not. Uh, so it's a it's an interesting time to be alive if you're a Chelsea uh, fan. But look, we're going to get into this match. Of course, we're going to review the narrow win over City and the offense that transpired. Uh, this was certainly a tale of two halves. We're going to break down the tactics behind Emma Hayes' choices today, which is really interesting with the the crew of analysts I have on. I'm just going to pass the ball. They're going to do what they do. And then we're going to look ahead to the absolutely crucial match against Arsenal on Friday. It is... It's it's getting warm in here. It's going to be fun. So, uh, look, guys, City at home on Sunday, uh, the 6th of February in the WSL. Uh, we won 1-0. Uh, girl Wrighton, goal scorer, just continuing her wonderful run of form this season uh, by getting the crucial winner. Uh, Jesse, take us through the interesting lineup. Yeah, I feel like um, if we hadn't seen kind of a variation of this against United in midweek, I'd have found this more confusing. Um, but we had AKB and goal as per usual. Jess Carter uh, on the right at right back. Uh, Millie Bright and Anik Naun, uh in the middle together. And Jonna holding down her position on the left after, since Emma rediscovered her at the back of the cupboard. Uh, great to see her still <laughs> holding it down. Um, and then we had uh, basically what was a midfield two of Cuthbert and Ingle, which worked really well in midweek against United, and I think I think I kind of expected to see it again. Uh, Guru Wrighton on, on the left wing and Jesse Fleming on the right wing, which again I, I thought was a really good idea to give Jess Carter kind of that like protection. Honestly, I felt like Aaron or Jesse could have played, and they basically did really interchange, but um, you know, just two great players to have in your midfield. And then uh, Sam Kerr and Matilda Harder up front, no no rest for the wicked. Kerr came on in at that United game, got a goalkeeper sent off, and then is here starting again. That woman literally never stops. Um, and then in terms of subs, uh, we had uh, Fran and Neve come on, um, I think with about 30 minutes or so to go, which is maybe where stuff started to shift a little bit. We'll get into that, I think. Um, Lauren James coming on with about 10 minutes to go, which I thought was really interesting. Um, first kind of time I felt like she'd got minutes in a game that actually was still in the balance. Um, so that was quite interesting to see. And she was basically coming on as the lone striker at that point. So that was like pretty intense for her, I thought. And then uh, Drew Spence just to kind of waste time basically in the 89th minute. The closer, that's the closer, uh, much like John Obi McKell was back in the day. That's the sub you make when you know it's over. 
Uh, look, the stats were uh, interesting, to be honest. Uh, you know, if you would have looked at this at the end of each half, they would they would look dra- uh, dramatically different. Uh, 11 shots apiece, uh, four shots for Chelsea on target, three for City. Chelsea with a paltry 42% possession. This was uh, this was not what you expected, which means City had 58. Uh, City outpassed us. They had better pass accuracy. Same fouls on, on seven apiece. Uh, City had more corners uh, and, and more offsides, which is uh, interesting. Uh, let's see. Jesse, you want to go through the, uh, the Jesse stat of the week section of, of many that you have here? It looks like you have a, a, an abundance yeah, um, one of these is not mine, so I don't know if Abdullah wants to go through that first one because that's his. Um, XG? Yeah, no, XG was 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 Jesse's. The other one was I was I was listening to commentary and 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 uh, on the FA player, and they said that it was I think with twenty minutes to go, so I had put a caveat in there saying at one nil in case the score changed. But um, it was funny to see Chelsea have had the fewest conceded shots on target this season along with the lowest conceded goals overall, but they've only conceded six goals. So that that combination was kind of the omen to say, well, will City be able to come back? Because that's how well Chelsea have defended through the season. So that's kind of that's the stat I wanted to bring forward and just thought it was a nice uh, little tidbit to add in. Trying to muscle in on stats of the week, are we? <laughs> I, I see know, how it goes. I, I, you know, I had to, I had to try and, and give get, put uh, something forward. You know, Jesse's running the show, so I thought, you know, I got to put one step forward and see if I can if I can help. You know, every now and then. So that's my contribution for the month, Jesse. And then I'll I'll give you your payment uh, later. We'll on. accept it. We'll accept. <laughs> Thank you. It. Thank you very um, much. <laughs> yeah, I dropped some extra. The, uh, no, just as as the referee, I will say that's a shoulder-to-shoulder challenge. That's not a foul. I have to 50 Okay. Well, you sound like Amy Fern in this game, or to be honest there, Nick. Um, <laughs> that's who I aspire to be, so, yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I dropped the XG in. Uh, Chelsea, this is from Opta. Chelsea with 0.61 and City with 0.5, which I think kind of sums up how few chances either team really had um yeah it was the lowest xg of the season for us um but fortunately we've now gone back to scoring even when we don't create chances which is much more preferable to the reverse um and then the very satisfying start of the week that i'm going with is this is the first time we've ever done the double over city in the league ever in our history but i love it um and yeah uh, we're the first team to do that uh, since 2014 when and this is how much the league has changed in 2014 both Bristol and Birmingham did the double over Manchester City so there we go crazy times how about that uh, look uh, before we hit an ad break here I just uh, it is fascinating Abdullah that you, you were talking about the defense and how incredible they've been in the league this year because I think uh, we have many podcasts that would tell you that we were very uncertain about all of the ruminations and combinations of our back three stroke back four. Uh, and the fact that that has become more consistent in a lot of ways than the attack has been over the last couple of months is kind of fascinating, right? It's, it did not work in the Champions League. That's a whole different competition. But in the league, it's certainly been a whole different story than we might have anticipated. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's been one of those. I think if of of except for the you know forget the midfield and attack for a second, it's the one conversation I think we've had in most podcasts and generally, uh, in in the in the in the 
football world, it's always been about what is Chelsea's best back line, whether it's a back four, is it a back three, what are the combinations within the back three and the back four, you know, are we playing Gura right in at left back, are we playing John Anderson at left back, are we playing somebody else at right back, like is Neve Charles going to come back, and you know, the amount of um, consistent, you know, the amount of uh, talk we've had over who should be playing, who shouldn't be playing, it's, it was just, when I just heard the stat today, I was really surprised that, you know, wow, like, even with the multitude of changes that have happened over over the season in terms of personnel, in terms of system, it stills you know it's still not overall changed the um, the defensive output of it. You know, obviously the last few weeks we've not had Magda Magda Eriksson and you know Anik Nauer. I think it's a huge shout out for her to come in and kind of it almost feels like we haven't missed Magda to an extent. You know, like she's come in, she looks settled in the back two, she looks settled in the back three. Um, which I think is probably the most impressive thing for me is is is, is Anik's uh, ability to switch between the back four and the back three uh, and be able to just play either position as if you know she's been playing there for years and I, I guess um, she'd be used to playing in a four but uh, no I, I think overall it's it's really interesting and um, I think it just bodes well for the for the rest of the season and and we'll get into it now but to be able to you know uh, resist the onslaught that City kind of had in terms of chances and, and in possession and, and all that to, you know today uh, I think is a testament to the overall defensive stability that that we've had going on um do you agree with that yeah pretty much I I I quite like Noun's defensive performance in this game like I think in terms of her box defending and the way Chelsea really were kind of pinned completely back to the end of that match was really quite spectacular I don't know exactly how I feel about her passing, though. I mean, she came in with quite a good rep, and what I'd seen beforehand looked quite good to me. But under pressure, I think there were maybe some issues today, and so it was a bit of a complicated one in that I think she's a clear net positive, but there were things at the end of that game where I felt like if Chelsea could relieve some of that pressure, right, whether through being able to hold on to the ball or being able to counter, which which was a different issue we'll have to talk about it would have made things a little easier. So, yeah, I mean, I thought overall a really fantastic performance, but I don't know where exactly I sit on her ball playing ability at the moment. Um, I've seen some positive things, but under pressure, I do think it could it could be a bit sharper at times. And maybe this towards the end of that game, it was something that we saw. All right. Well, we're going to get into the tale of two halves next after a quick ad break. Uh, thank you to the sponsors for supporting the show. And we will be right back. As always, reminder time. Uh, we're here most every week, assuming that there are matches, and those have been uh, a little, little more consistent lately. So we are back and back and back. Uh, please rate and review us both on Apple Podcast and Spotify. If you if you are a Spotify listener, um, however controversial that is these days, but uh, go ahead and do that. It's a quick push of a button to hit five stars. And then if you are looking for a deeper connection to the club, uh, join us on Patreon. We have a wonderful Discord community that is on fire for matches like today's. Uh, but without further ado, we're going to get into the first half, which is uh, better for Chelsea than than City. Uh, I think that to start off the uh, analysis here, Jesse, it has to be said, the wind at Kings Meadow was absolutely bananas today. Uh, it, it seemed like it was like 30 to 40 mile an hour gusts out there is it uh, did it feel like that to you like just the way the ball was being played and the, and the switches and stuff 
Yeah, I can testify that the wind in England today is, like, really super crazy. Um, and I also hate wind just generally, so it puts me in a bad mood. Um, but, yeah, I think you could definitely see early on. I think, you know, we might touch on it, but you could see in Chelsea's goal um, that there was, like, a lot of wind assistance taking place and always that hilarious thing when, if you're going in the opposite direction, someone boots the ball and it kind of just swirls almost back towards them. Um, one of my favourite things to watch, to be honest. So... Yeah, I, I did feel, and I think also um, something I feel like I never appreciated before I started getting into running, but now as a runner, really realise is it's really hard if you're running into the wind. And I know we might talk about Chelsea's counter-attacking and I think there's a tactical element, but I also just think it's not as easy to like create a fast counter-attack when you're, the wind force is coming against you. Like You just literally can't move as fast. So I do think in some ways... There were tactical elements, definitely, to the like swinging momentum, but I think the wind had had an impact as well. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting to me, Abdullah. Uh, you know, as we kind of get into the first half, that I think the first fifteen minutes or so, the ball was played in the air a lot. It, it was not a quick, you know, keep it on the floor type of of passing move uh, from Chelsea that ends up leading to the goal. Even so, uh, what were your thoughts on the way that? you know, the teams kind of played with the ball there at the beginning. It seemed like they were kind of getting used to it, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That could be a point. They were just trying to see, maybe they were testing the wind, you know, capacity and seeing how it was going to swerve and you were going to get in the air. Okay. If we, if we do it at this momentum, at this angle, it's going to shift here just to get, you know, the screamers ready. You know, it just, it needs, it needed, it needed Melanie Leupold on the pitch to be able to do that. But, you know, unfortunately she's not there. Um, no, but I think also it was, it almost felt like, nobody wanted to play it on the ground just on the, on the off chance that somebody loses it and then they give up an early goal. It was almost like if we keep it in the air on the other side, we don't have to deal with it from a defensive point of view. And I think the first 10 minutes for me was definitely a period of both teams wanted to settle into the game and just kind of feel each other out, see what they were like for the first 10 minutes. And I think we clearly saw that after 10 minutes, Chelsea started getting control of the game and started, you know, really playing uh, on the floor and kind of getting those those passing moves in in, in and around and going through. But yeah, I think it's definitely um, uh, more of a let's feel it out, let's see what it is, and let's settle into the game. We don't want to be losing out in the first 10 minutes. And, you know, because I think at the same time, kind of like the way Chelsea were defending, I almost think that both teams were thinking that it was going to happen the minute the first goal went in. You know, that one team would sit back and the other team would go in. And I don't think either team wanted to be under pressure from like minute one to five or like, you know, early on. So I think I probably think it came down to that. Well, I mean, to me, obviously, Chelsea were playing with the wind in the first half, just so that's abundantly clear. Um, the build-up play to the first goal uh, was, you know, I think after some decent possession, it was, it was kind of a, it wasn't like a dominant first, you know, 15 by Chelsea. I don't think it was, it was positive, but it wasn't dominant. Finally started moving the ball around a little bit better, though, which is, is good. And then obviously the cross comes in, Jesse and uh, our, I mean, might be, might be player of the season right now. Uh, Girl Wrighton is is on top of that, uh, and and again, wind aided perhaps on on the way the ball kind of floats in the back of the net, but a good goal from from her and an important goal in the end because it was the winner. Yeah, I actually thought what I thought was really funny is early on I kind of noticed how willing City seemed to be to sit off Jess Carter. I presume because they don't think she's very good, and part of me was like, 
oh, because she has her moments, right? And I was like, oh, is this going to be something that, like, they come to regret? And with that goal, you kind of see, like, where, like, does just, like, sit off her and allows her to put that ball in. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it, w- it was a really good header from Wrighton. I think in that first 15 minutes, it felt, you know, deserved. We'd had the chance uh, where Aaron Cuthbert had normally nearly scored from the corner, wind assisted as well. Um, and Harder was kind of like motoring through City's defence quite a lot. It, it felt like we were winning a lot of like turnovers in the final third. City were really struggling to play out. So I definitely felt like we deserved to, to take the lead. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like the world's best work goal. But I feel like we often do quite well against um, City in terms of balls into the box. I feel like, you know, we often, you know, Magda obviously got one earlier in the season from a header um, and Sam scored a couple like that as well. I think we we tend to feel like we've got a bit of dominance over um, City centre-backs and especially with Steph Houghton out. I mean, I actually thought Alex Greenwood and Ruby Mace both had exceptional games um, with the exception of the fact that Mace should probably have had a penalty against her. Um, But, you know, I think generally we kind of feel like we can disorientate them when balls come into the box and, and I think that showed today. Yeah, and I think this is Robux's first or second game back from kind of a lengthy spell out, right? So yeah, she didn't yeah. look super confident, it must be said. She looked a little weird. There were some strange things going on. Like, like there was one, like, I don't know if it was even a shot. I think it was like a Jesse Fleming clearance, which, like, was kind of going, like, nowhere near the goal. And she was, like, rushing out to, like, try and smother it. And then it just, like, bounced away. Yeah, she looked a bit, like, on edge, definitely. Was it the first game against City, uh, Jesse, where Lauren Hemp absolutely just ran riot uh, against Chelsea down the left and absolutely, I can't remember. I feel like you've just described every single game Lauren Hemp has ever played in her life. (laughs) Okay, cool. Uh, Well, I I think there was, there were moments before, even when they were not, and City was not playing well at the beginning of the season, we were all having a laugh, right, Uh, where she kind of was the star of the show and it seemed like they were trying to replicate that recipe again. Do you, do you think it was very effective? I mean, obviously they didn't score and they didn't win, but do you think that their thought process was right? Um, I mean, Gareth Taylor's sole tactic tends to seem to be, well, it was originally at the start of the season when Lucy Bronze was out, it was just give the ball to Lauren Hemp and let Lauren Hemp run. And now Lucy Bronze is back. It's like, give the ball to Lucy Bronze. So I feel like we focused on cutting that out, but I thought Jess Carter did really well um I mean Hemp was still getting crosses in and getting like quite a lot of work down that left hand side but I think what we've seen with Carter in the past is that it's very easy to go past her but for some reason Hemp just like actually seems to push Carter to another level and she was I thought she was really good today to be honest um I thought she just defended a lot more intelligently than she she defended the space rather than the player. And I think normally, you know, you see her going in for these kind of rash challenges, being gone past way too easily. And and I I thought she was a lot, a lot, lot better than that. And I actually think part of the reason why we looked worse in this last 20 minutes is because Hemp switched over to the right hand side. And I think we struggled to deal with her when she switched sides. Do you do you agree with the the tactical analysis there um, about, you know, maybe Jess Carter playing a more familiar right back position than where she was at the beginning of the season, which was kind of in the middle of that three. And I think clearly just didn't kind of suit her strengths. Yeah. I, I don't see Jess Carter in a, in a back three as a center back. It was puzzling when Emma tried that. I mean, obviously there were, there were some injury issues if I'm remembering correctly. And I think just there was something weird in general with that three, four, three that didn't work out that I can't quite explain why. And, you know, for, for the moment, maybe, 
Chelsea have seemed to move away from it. I think Carter just is more comfortable with everything she does at right back, um, especially offensively. Um, she's had goal contributions the last two games now, but defensively, I think it's just clear what she has to do, right? It's, it's less about measuring what she's doing in relation to, to the midfield in front of her when she's trying to deal with threats out wide, especially versus Man City. It's mainly a one versus one duel, which is not to say that's easy. Defending Lauren Hemp one versus one is not easy at all, but it's a more straightforward task where I think she can apply herself with, with full intensity. I'm not the biggest Jess Carter fan, but I see her value when she she's just kind of able to unleash whatever whatever it is that she does with full energy because she has a lot of good physical traits and she applies herself like 150%, which is something I think Emma likes and why she continues to play out there. So, yeah, I mean, she certainly had her moments versus Lauren Hemp. And, um, but, the, but I was most impressed with her when Blackstad came on um, because there were moments where Hemp got by Jess Carter was able to find her way in behind. I mean, Hemp does that versus everyone, but Blackstad did not have a single sniff, if I'm remembering correctly. Like that was that was just Carter's duel. Whereas versus Hemp, it was I wasn't completely comfortable, right? Like Hemp can create something out of nowhere. That was where most of the danger City was creating from because she was the best player on the night. But versus Blackstad was when I thought, well, yeah, that she didn't. I didn't. She did not provide the effect that Garrett Taylor I think thought she would, and. And honestly, that's not the sub where we're hide criticizing the most. But again, we'll we'll get we'll get to we'll get to that one. Well, speaking of one hundred and fifty percent, Abdullah Pranilla Harder, um, she uh, obviously is coming off of an uh, just absurd. We we haven't even had a chance to speak about this yet, uh, except for in text. But just an absurd uh, run and and goal against Man United midweek, uh, playing kind of a weird free role. Uh, and, and I want you to kind of break her performance down the first half because it was a, it was an interesting one. It, it was interesting because I think it's one of those where, um, you know, it, it was almost like a little bit of a throwback to her Wolfsburg days where she was kind of given this kind of free role uh, over there. Um, that's where she thrived. The build, Obviously, at that time, the team was built around her and she was able to kind of move around. And I think um, with the fact that Kirby wasn't exactly fit to start the game and then it was Kerr and Harder starting up front – it kind of allowed her to be able to just play in between the lines, play, play, um, play across the lines as well, and kind of be able to take out spaces where they could they could uh, nullify City. You know, kind of one of the points that uh, I think Jesse Jesse put down was to stop Lucy Bronze, and I think part of um, you know part of Harder's role to be able to not just get into spaces to be you know for on the ball stuff and be able to you know play through balls and run through, but I think it was also the pressing off the ball because I think being the extra player in between the lines when you're not on the ball and be able to be the extra person to press, that's huge. And I think Harder did that extremely well. And I think in the first half between her and I think, and we'll, we'll talk about Jesse Fleming as well, but I think between those two and then, and then Sam Kerr up front, I really think that they were able to control City's back line in terms of where they wanted the ball to go out and even winning it, winning high turnovers in, in the final third. So, you know, and, and we saw Harder almost, you know, get a couple of, uh, couple, a couple of chances. I think there was one, opportunity where she ran through and and I think there were, she called for a penalty but you know she was steaming through and I don't remember who was the t- I think it was Ruby Mace or um or someone else but someone you know tackled her just outside the box but um you know huge effort from harder uh, from harder today well uh, transitioning a little bit in the first half still I mean again we're this is the half where Chelsea had a, a majority of the 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 good moments uh Cuthbert and Fleming uh 
kind of a different role for them, Jesse, than you know than we've seen in, in you know the last couple of months. But it seems like they're playing really well in these in these new roles, right? What what were your thoughts on how they uh, m- not only moved individually but moved as kind of a collective in, in this match? Yeah, I think, you know, generally it was Cuthbert kind of supporting Ingle in central midfield and kind of Fleming out wide, but obviously, you know, with a bit more of a, a central bent, like being willing to come inside to support, but also go out to help uh, Carter if she needed. Um, I thought Erin Cuthbert was like absolutely immense. She was just everywhere. You know, I think for me, when playing City, the area of the pitch I worry about the most is the midfield because you know they're always going to play those trio of like very technical midfielders. Um, and I then you when you're coming up against two Chelsea midfielders, you're like, well, how is that going to match up? And, you know, being able to have Fleming tuck in, I think obviously helped with that. But I just thought Cuthbert's desire to like win the ball back and, you know, like counter press um, incredibly effectively was was very, very impressive. Um and it kind of just also freed Sophie Ingle up, I think, to shield the defence a bit more rather than sometimes I feel like she ends up being pulled out of position when she's like rushing into more challenges, for example. Um, yeah, I thought I thought Fleming was really good as well. I think generally, for me, it felt like both of those players had been told to focus on like holding their position within the midfield and I think that's why at points like you know even thinking about those corner stats like Chelsea only having one corner it felt like when we were getting forward like most of the time we weren't trying to push those players up towards the box like we were really willing to like have kind of harder and Kerr go into the area and kind of create whatever mischief they can do maybe with Guru running as well um and I think that kind of influenced stuff and I wonder if you know there was maybe an opportunity to to be a bit more adventurous with those players and press home our advantage. Obviously, it doesn't matter now, like given the result. But I thought that was kind of, um, I think when we're going to talk about, yeah, later in the game, as maybe Chelsea got uh, conservative in a really bad way. Um, I feel like you could see that kind of conservatism even in this this first half of the game in the way Cuthbert and Fleming were like looking to not really move forward as much as you might expect. Uh, well, friend of the pod, uh, Mia Erickson, who's doing her own uh, really great stuff. So go follow her, by the way. Uh, in the first half says, Chelsea back to being very fluid, aggressive, and hard to read. It, it's an interesting sentiment, uh, Om, because you, know, you could argue over the last handful of years when when Chelsea have kind of had a more fluid attack, right, where you don't know where the ball is going. It's not so pattern-based uh, from, from a passing perspective, that that is when they get in behind. They really make trouble for the opposition. Uh, are, did you agree with her analysis in the first half? I quite like Chelsea's first half performance, especially, I would say, like, first 15, 20 minutes. So, like, it was always a very direct game, both because of the wind conditions, but also there's a point I think I have to make about the four four two, which... I'll save for a little later in that podcast because it, it'll it'll take me down an entire different tangent. But there were also some really nice combinations happening down the flank that I think City could not really handle. And we probably would have seen more than that had had Chelsea not gone 1-0 up like very early because that that started to disappear. Chelsea slowly be, started to become more conservative. And that that kind of went away, obviously. But I thought it was harder, especially going over to that left-hand side receiving in little pockets behind the central midfielder, linking up to to send Guru Wright and down that flank. I think that was actually how 
the build up to the first goal ended up happening. That was way back though. Um, so maybe I'm misremembering, but that was three, four times within a span of like six minutes, Chelsea were able to get into the final third that way. So there were some really nice combinations working and it was, it's as you said, right? It's, it's a little more fluid, not as pattern based, more about the chemistry of the players and how they kind of fit together, which I think is, is one of Emma's strengths generally, right? Is, is knowing how all the player tendencies come together to be able to produce stuff that's, that's really good and really attractive football. So I liked what I was seeing from Chelsea there. I'm not necessarily mad about the fact that they kind of stopped it once they went 1-0 up because I was I was happy about how they managed the game defensively. City did not have anything going in that first half, really. So, yeah, I, I thought it was good. And had it been nil-nil, like maybe going to 60 minutes or something, I think the perception of, you know, who was in charge of this game might be a little different because I think Chelsea would have continued to do that. But obviously, game state affected it, and and things changed. So, yeah, I, w- I was pretty impressed. Second half, I think I have a slightly different view, especially after the substitutes. But yeah, I generally did like what Chelsea was doing, and and Man City didn't really have an answer for it. Well, deep breath. <laughs> we're going to go into the second half, <laughs> which now, is where, which, where, uh... where all the narratives are, really. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, City playing with the wind, of course, because that's how fairness works. Um, they clearly looked a little bit better straight out of the gate. Um, I guess for you, Abdullah, Sam Kerr gets a chance right at the beginning, maybe a penalty too in the first kind of 15 minutes. Like, could this game have gone differently? Yes or no? Yes. I think if, if Kerr, if Sam Kerr takes that first chance and we get the penalty, either or both, whatever you want to say, it's 2-0, game's completely different. I think, um, <clears throat> to an extent, I think that maybe... Actually, you know, let, let me actually let me rephrase that. I think the game is different in the sense that, obviously, we're 2-0 up. But I think at this point, then, City are then forced to to, to to up the ante a lot quicker. They start making those changes in the, in the next 5-10 minutes because they know they have to chase the game and score three goals. Um but, you know, and I think that possibly would have impacted what changes Emma would have made. So maybe Harder and Fleming stay on for five, ten minutes more, for example. And then maybe Drew Spence comes on earlier or uh, Alsu comes on. Like, I, th- I think that could have been, I think that would have forced Emma's hand in terms of the substitutions that she would have had to make earlier rather than what she actually made. So I think it changed the game from that perspective. And obviously being two goals to the good is, is, is a lot more comfortable than being one nil up because then, you know, even one half chances is, is, as Gareth Taylor said, you know, the old half chances that they made. Um, if that had gone in, um, it's, it's, it's one, one suddenly Chelsea have to then go back and try and score again. And, you know, so yeah, I think in that sense, it, it would have changed the game. Jesse, let's talk about the, at least the first penalty appeal. Uh, there was another one as, as well. I'm not sure it was that strong, but um, Mace brings down Cuthbert thoughts and feelings. Yeah, for me, this was just a clear penalty, and I actually don't really understand how the ref didn't see it in in real time. Um, Cuthbert was just running through into the area, and then Mace, like, basically, Cuthbert's ahead of her, and Mace trips her up and doesn't get anywhere near the ball. So, for me, it felt obvious, whatever, these things happen. Again, I'd be mad if we hadn't won, because we won, I don't really care. 
Um, the second penalty incident, I don't really think it was. It was just that Harder had run into the box and the ball had hit Mace's hand as, as Harder crossed in. But, you know, I, I don't think that, that was a penalty at all. Um, but, you know, I think generally the, the ref was, like, trying to let the game run. Um, there weren't, like, any yellow cards, but there were definitely some feisty challenges from, from both sides. And I kind of understand what she was doing but it felt like there are a number of moments like even um like right at the start of the game harder got brought down just outside the area and that wasn't a free kick either and it just felt like um it, it felt frustrating because lots of the way we were trying to play was was getting players to carry the ball like you know that one we know that's what harder does really well we saw it against the United game she was immediately out the gate trying to do that that again here um and I think because we weren't committing so many players forward we were like really relying um and I think the players were like kind of maybe relying to be able to pick up like some more like free kicks or, or penalties or whatever so hey it doesn't matter we won but like it was just one of those things where you're like come on let's talk about the subs um harder and Fleming out uh, we changed the system a little bit you know, talk about how that potentially changed the way that Chelsea were playing yeah so I think in terms of the way they were playing I think it was broadly supposed to be like for like in the sense that with Fran coming on she would technically be able to do the same things Harder was doing which was single-handed ball carrying up the pitch linking really well with the midfield to provide some press resistance. I mean, this is all stuff that Fran Kirby is good at, right? So on face value, I, I, I see what she's kind of doing with that subs. Harder was probably tired given the amount of work she was doing. I mean, I think she was the best player in the match. Like that's how good I thought Harder was. So it was a bit curious to see her come off. I, I would have to imagine it was a physical thing, some type of rotation. Um, and on face value, yeah, you don't take off Kerr because you want someone who's like the point of the attack, right? Because it gets maybe a little unbalanced, but for whatever reason, and you all know how much I love Fran Kirby and what, how I talked about her on the last podcast, she just wasn't able to do it, right? It wasn't her day. None of the stuff she, she tried to do was it came close to replicating what Harder did on the day. That's just how it played out. That happens sometimes. I just think it was, it was a bit risky to take out the number one outlet on the counterattack and you're I think the Fleming sub wasn't as consequential. I mean, I know she was doing some stuff coming inside and helping out, but largely I think a lot of her receptions were wider than maybe people think. I do think her defensive work was good, um, but it's technically something Charles was the one who came on, right? Should be able to replicate, right? What really happened after that isn't necessarily that Chelsea were defending poorly because the box defending turned out to be excellent. It's they couldn't relieve the pressure. And I think part of that was down to harder. In addition to the fact that City came out with a much better high press, the counter pressing was good. You know, they, you know, I don't know, whatever Taylor yelled at them at halftime or something, and they came out playing better. But I do think once harder was off, there was just no, like the counterattacks just dried up. And the last 10, 15 minutes were like Chelsea were just holding on, trying to survive. And if I was a Chelsea fan, I wouldn't have been super comfortable with that, even though at the end of the day, when you count up all the chances, right? City just didn't create that much. Um, but from like a process perspective, if I'm thinking about what is a good performance as a reactive conservative side, I think it needs to involve being able to relieve some of that pressure because I don't think you can just, you know, hang your hat on Man City not creating a chance with all the talent they have when they're sitting like five yards outside the box. So that's where I start maybe to diverge a little bit with some opinions on how Chelsea performed 
And I do think a lot of it had to do with harder. I don't know if this is a good segue to go into my whole four, four, two thing. Cause that's another five minutes of talking. Um, but you guys, you guys can, can we'll, jump in. We'll come yeah. back to you on that one. Uh, Abdul, I'm going to pass to you really quick on Lasada. Um, you know, this was an intro that I think spurred them on to play a little bit differently than they might've been playing to that point. And, just kind of give us your breakdown as to as to how that might have worked. Yeah, no, I think we, I mean Vicky Lasada is, is is pure class, and I think her entry into the midfield, and I think that's one of the reasons why I think she was brought on instead of uh, Philippa Angadal. Instead, was I think they I think City knew that they were going to start controlling the game, and they were controlling midfield, especially since the aforementioned substitutions happened. And I think they wanted someone in there who was able to come in, really control the ball, replay really calmly, and just create. Um, deep lying opportunities so you know with her passing over the top through the lines and everything they knew i think most of the opportunities that they created anyway was because of that started from losada's uh de- you know delivery from deep so I-, I think for her it was just that it was just that element of control an element of being able to find passes that i don't think uh, most other city players could find at least from a from a midfield perspective i think she's probably their most creative and their best player to be able to pick these passes out and when there's not much pressure on her in midfield um in terms of being in terms of being closed down just obviously because chelsea didn't have the ball uh um and I think it just made sense for her to come on and be able to do that. And I think that's how, you know, City were able to create their chances and get back in the game. So I I thought Losada was good, but her coming on for Khadija Shaw <laughs> is what I don't understand. Yeah. And I yeah, it was I thought that ultimately, even though the progression to the to the final third and, and their ability to maintain control there improved, right? Because you add in a classy midfielder. Then you have Stanway playing as the false nine. But that wasn't, I felt like, their primary problem at that point in time. Like, I'm, I'm fine. You can swap Losada off for a central midfielder, right? Like, improve the quality and stuff like that. But they were large. I mean, they were kind of there, right? They were more in Chelsea's half at that point. The pressing had completely stopped. It was clear Chelsea were going to play one way. I felt at that point was when you needed Shaw more than anything, right? I get she wasn't that involved in the first half. Chelsea were also playing a little more aggressively. They were contesting balls into the forward line a lot more. At this point in time, to take off a striker when what you're going to do is put balls into the box all the time was bizarre to me. And I don't know if I would have agreed with it, especially at that point in time. But if you were going to do it, take off Shaw for White. To to not go with the striker, I think bailed out Chelsea a tiny bit. Like I don't want to, I don't want to act like Chelsea didn't do anything good defensively, but I do think there was too long of a period in time where City were able to get to the final third, apply all this pressure, but they didn't have the options in the box that they needed to. And Nguyen is gonna, I mean, her best attribute is box defending, so she's gonna dominate Jess Park in the air, right? I mean, Jess Park was the one who got maybe the best. Uh, like half opportunity, half chance, as Garrett Taylor called it, when she it was a hemp cross, and she like lo- hey, those were excellent half chances. Okay, <laughs> um, don't you forget it. She, she lunged Damn right, it. so Jess Park lunges at the ball and she connects, but like she's out of control and it's nowhere near goal. Right, like that was that was what they were relying on. That that was just what I didn't understand. Right, so I I think that really hurt City there, and they missed a moment. So Ellen White comes on what 80th minute. That wasn't enough time. You put on white or keep on shot for that entire period. Maybe you get the one, one, or maybe you get a big chance that you miss. And then Garrett Taylor can come out and be like, you know, we were robbed. This is, 
But with that sub, I think he hurt himself. Like I think I think he hurt his argument post game because ultimately you have to create chances, right? That's very important part of the process of scoring. And with that sub, I think he hurt himself. Even though I thought Lasag came on and played well and did the things that Abdullah was talking about. I think the only thing it it is as well, like with the the Lasada sub, why also though that impacted how Chelsea sub looked is that because she was playing on the right-hand side of midfield, that suddenly, and then Hemp switched as well because Blackstad came on, that I think it suddenly obviously changed the way, the side of the pitch the attacks were coming from. And that's why the Fleming for Charles switch didn't really bother me at all because Jesse Fleming didn't really have a role anymore because as on said, like Jess Carter pretty much had Julie Blackstad on control. Like you're not really worried about Demi Stokes coming down that side either. And I just think, it's more like that Kirby couldn't provide like an outball, which normally you would expect her the past couple of weeks. It's just like not clicking for her at all. Um, so I think like the subs look worse than they were in theory because of the combination of City switching the sides they attacked on and Frank Kirby just not having a great game. Whereas I think if Frank Kirby's having a good game, the ball's sticking to her and she's running with the ball, she's going to do a very similar thing to to what Harder was doing anyway, right? Abdullah? Yeah, no, sorry. I was just going to make the point saying that it was the same argument we had for Chelsea with Sam Kerr being the outlet and, 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 and the front player. And then, you know, if we're making that argument for them, I don't, you know, City taking off Shaw just down and going home's point is, is obviously makes sense. If Chelsea are stuck with a, with a focal point in, in, a, in a game where probably in the last 10 minutes, maybe they didn't need one, right? Just because they were defending so much. But if they kept one on, and I don't understand why City, who were on the attack, didn't keep one on. And I think George Stanway was playing a lot further forward when when um, when Shaw went off. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, that's probably the only point I wanted to make. Well, we're going to get into another great debate here uh, because Abdul and Jesse disagree on one John Anderson, and I want to know why. And please... Uh, Abdullah, you get first argument because you put out the tweet. Okay. Uh, Jesse, before we get into it, it's nothing personal. I, you know, we're still friends after the end of this, all right? <laughs> Shake hands. It's just fine. We can have disagreements. No, no. So, so the only point that I was making was that um, I think I think the last few weeks, the way John Anderson has come back into this side since the switch to the 4-4-2, I think has been impressive. She's... You know, she's, you know, like, like Jesse's been saying, she's, she's kind of been found from behind the sofa. She's been chucked back in. Oh, all right, you exist. All right, we'll put, throw you back in. And I think from being a player that's been out in the cold essentially for so long to come in and, and play so well. And I think in a game like this where you'd almost expect her to be completely ravaged by whether it's Jess Park or whether it's, um, it's Lauren Hemp. And I think under the circumstances of everything, I felt like she did a good job in the overall grand scheme of things. And again, to come back from a game to, to a big game where you weren't playing a month ago and now to be playing three, four games in a row, coming back against Man City, not being, you know, a sacrificial lamb to a tactical change, whether it's, you know, going back to the three, I think it's just, it's just, you know, good on her for being able to, to, to come back to that. All right, Jesse, go. Yeah, no, I, I like, I broadly agree that like the Jonna Anderson redemption narrative arc is nice. And like, I feel happy for her. I think it it works like in the back four because she's the only left back there is. Okay, apart from also Abdelina, so you kind of have to play her. But I was more disagreeing with the because Abdullah had written in the script that 
he thought she was good at keeping hemp occupied. And that's what I disagreed with. I thought she was pretty bad. I I thought, um, yeah, hemp really had the run around of her. And that doesn't really surprise me because the reason why Jonna Anderson got dropped is because last year, every game in the Champions League she played, she got absolutely flamed by whoever was playing like up against her. So that was like, for me, what, what it, it, it's not her, it's not her thing. I don't think she looks good one. It almost like what Om's talking about. It's like the opposite. Like where Jess Carter, it's almost like if she really is just told to focus on the 1v1, she can kind of make it happen. Jonna Anderson's like the opposite. Like if you're like, you've got to like move forward up the pitch and like interchange with midfield. She's like, okay, I can do that. And if you ask her to defend one-on-one, she's like, oh my God, no, I've got no idea where this player has just run to. And prob- that's just, that's why I felt stressed when Lauren Hemp switched. I probably should have clarified that better. That's my mistake. But no, maybe I want to just poke you, Jesse, and just wanted to just get you to get you to do things. No, no, no. There. I should. I, should, I will no, say, look, Lauren Hemp is like clearly oh, like class. one of the best wingers in the world, if not the best. So it's like not a bad like it's not a bad thing. It was just like one of those annoying things where I don't think this was even Gareth Taylor being clever. He wasn't like actually switching Lauren Hemp to try out on the other <laughs> side. He just wanted to bring on Blackstad on and and had to play her on the left. But in some ways, it was quite clever because they got, I think, a lot more joy when when she. Eric Taylor is catching well. all kinds of strays on this podcast, man. He should not listen to this one. <laughs> I got guys. I got a new tagline for Gareth Taylor. I've been working it out over the last few seconds here. Gareth yes. Taylor, unintentionally clever. You know. <laughs> That's, a, legit, that's what happens if you're managing a team that's as talented as City. Do you know what I mean? Like a stop clock is right twice a day. Yeah, it's the blind squirrel finds a nut. And in this case, that's what happened. Uh, all right, enough enough about Gareth Taylor until we get to slate him more uh, later on in the show. Uh, I will just say a quick note for, for Lauren James. Uh, this is, you know, I think, Jesse, as you mentioned uh, at the beginning, this is game real game time for her now, right? In, in the midst of a... Fast and Furious type of second half. Uh, I mean, one, it's it's nice to have that as an option uh, when we didn't have that earlier in the season for a handful of reasons. But what were your thoughts on how she adapted? You know, it's like getting kind of thrown into a war zone a little bit, right? There's stuff flying all around you. You kind of have to center yourself and and get uh, into the into the moment. Did you think that she succeeded or no? I think like. It was interesting to see her go into a game that mattered. I think Kieran Doyle tweeted like the other week, which really made me laugh, that she's like a player who kind of always looks like she's more interested in adding to her highlights reel um, than like actually playing the game. And I can see what he means. I don't entirely agree, but like she, that's kind of her style of play. So I was like, wow, this is quite a lot. Like, cause you know, she's like meant to kind of be the front line but that being said you know she was like the she came in for the last 10 minutes she got a shot off she made a roebuck make a save like she there was another moment as well where she almost got to the ball ahead of roebuck when roebuck was coming out the area like she definitely like came on and created kind of more chances than chelsea had in the previous 10 minutes than in the last 10 minutes so i just think it will be interesting to see whether um you know i feel like when she was at united she she was kind of their luxury player she was the person who didn't have to do the work because they were just going to give her the ball and like let her ball out which is legit but like Hayes obviously has bought her on the expectation that she's going to do the work and you know like that she will do the work to, to play under Hayes um and I know Emma will know that she's she's up to that but I think you know it was just it'll be really interesting when 
hopefully she gets starts because obviously like yeah the game state made it like quite a weird thing to like judge what like her pressing and off the ball work was supposed to look like um but I thought like it was cool that Hayes turned to turn to her because I think it shows that like you know Emma wouldn't put on a player <laughs> for the last 10 minutes when you were running up against City if she wasn't confident that that she wasn't going to get it done so yeah thought it was interesting um, what are your thoughts on on Lauren James? Uh, I mean, I don't really have much to add to that. I mean, I think she's a very good player. And the fact that Chelsea could get her um, from a situation where she probably would have more minutes, I mean, I, I don't know exactly how it would have turned out this season, is quite impressive. Um, speaks to the pull they have. Obviously, there's the family connection, everything. And I think she's going to have a bright future at Chelsea. I do wonder whether you guys think like this was the right sub to make at that point in time or, or whether an additional sub should be made, right? Because Kerr obviously is coming back from the Asian cup, right? We, we need to manage her minutes and probably was getting tired at that point. But I also felt like at that point, it wasn't necessarily addressing anything, right? I, I, I thought Spence who ends up coming on like a couple minutes before the game ends probably should have come on there. And just add another central midfielder, get another foot on the ball, be able to not only congest zones, but if you if you go like four one four one, right, you can defend wider and help out more on hemp on that wide side, right? Provide Yona even more cover. I I when I just looked at that, I thought that was interesting to me because to Emma looked content with what was happening at that point, and all she was like, we just need to change the outlet up front, um, and. I mean, I, I didn't have a problem with Lauren James coming on, but probably I thought if you're going to do that, also accompany it with probably Spence for for an attacker and go 4-3-3-4-1-4-1 and try to just put things like in back in Chelsea's charge just a tiny bit. Put your foot on the ball, relieve a tiny bit of pressure. But I don't know. I mean, that's not really a Lauren James point, but that was what I was thinking when she came on. I think that's a Frank Kirby problem because in that moment you bring on Lauren James because your outball isn't working. So the player then you should take off to bring on Spence then would be Frank Kirby. But are you going to take Frank Kirby off 15 minutes after? Yeah, I mean, that's that's why at that point I was thinking if you're going to take off Kerr, do put put Spence on. I mean, it's it's not super fair to James and I guess it's it's not super fair to Kerr either if if you know, if you're saying that's kind of like an assessment of performance, but if you're going to take her off anyway and you only want to take off one attacker, probably would have put Spence on. But I I don't know. Kirby as the lone person up top, it's, it's complicated. I don't think it's an easy decision, but that was my thought process when I was thinking about that because I was really wondering to what extent, what can Chelsea do to relieve, you know, the pressure that they're currently facing, right? Like these last 10 minutes are, are going to be hell. And how did Chelsea deal with that? This is when Ellen White had come on as well. So that's when, you know, I respected what City would be able to do at that point in terms of like putting balls into the box and actually converting them. So, yeah, it, I think Hayes was just like, I got to take off Kerr. I can't take off Kirby, even though like it's it's become an issue now. And I want to up top. And so I guess in that respect, Lauren James coming on, it's it's not a bad decision. Um, but yeah, that was, that was where my mind was at, basically. Well, spoiler alert, uh, we held out and yeah. uh, ended up getting the clean sheet. And, and a big part of that, of course, from Harry Edwards is that Chelsea haven't conceded a goal with Nick Nowen on the pitch in the WSL of the season. That's 409 minutes. 
They also haven't lost a game uh, that she started across all competitions, nine wins and a draw. So those are pretty decent numbers in case you're keeping track at home. Um, no goals and some wins. Uh, I like that. Uh, that is uh, effectively three uh, WSL clean sheets in a row, too. Um, and, you know, again, we kind of talked about the defense earlier, so we won't belabor that point. But, I mean, it has really started to round out a little bit here recently. Uh, Sam Kerr, lovely tweet. What a game. Fans were amazing. Team performance. And it had to be, right? Because it was not always easy. Uh, I guess, Jesse, let's get into uh, the quotes from Emma Hayes, uh, which, unlike Gareth Taylor's quotes, made some sense. <laughs> yeah, Hayes said it was also a very bizarre interview where basically Kelly Summers of the BBC was like, after she asked two questions, was like, we've got to go now because we're going to get cut off air. So like Hayes didn't have that many things to say. So she said, it feels like every win is a huge win. I do think it's the tightest league campaign. So it does feel like you can't drop points anywhere. I've said all along league titles are decided in the second half of the season. And my team is in a strong position after today's results with three points close to the step we want to get to. Um yeah, I mean it's classic. It's classic Emma Hayes. She hasn't really said anything there. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a it's a good win, and we knew we needed to win, and now we know we need to go and beat Arsenal, and then then we're we're in a really good position. So um, I think to have come through today for it to be a challenge for us not to have had loads of opportunities, but to kind of have a bit of the luck that we've been maybe missing over the past. Uh, six weeks or so I think that will be like a big boost for the team especially in combination with the win against United midweek which was just actually a genuinely good performance like I think today had good moments and like some bad moments midweek was like pretty much 100% good and to have played yeah United and City and kind of come away with two wins to head into the Arsenal game I, I think that's a really good position to be in. And now for the fun part, Abdullah, uh, Gareth Taylor, um, where, whereas apparently Emma Hayes has said nothing of real note there, Gareth Taylor has gone on the opposite way uh, and said uh, less than nothing with a lot of time. So please expound. <laughs> so he starts off by saying his side were unfortunate not to come over with at least a point after making Chelsea fight all the way. Which, okay, fine. Maybe he wasn't exactly yeah. wrong over there. But then he says, we completely dominated the second period. We probably took about 20 minutes to get going, and then we really started to find our rhythm in game. I don't know what first half he was watching, but anyway. Hmm. Um, and in the second half, they were hanging on, and Chelsea did did what they do quite well, which is protect the goal more often than not. Um, which I guess that goes with the narrative of they've had the least amount of shots conceded on target. But, you know, the way he kind of says these things it makes it seem like do you even watch football? Do you watch your own league and the other teams around you? Or are you just kind of focused in on what your players do? Because even then, it doesn't even seem like you know what you're doing in your own games. And don't mind the fact that we've said on this podcast uh, in the last six months how many goals, records that the Chelsea women have held and the attacking formations and all the talent. Don't worry about any of that, Gareth. It's It doesn't fit your narrative. So, uh, look... Standout performer today um, is kind of stretched across the the board here. Uh, it looks like the uh, FAWSL uh, really highlighted Aaron Cuthbert here. Jesse is kind of the the standout player, but you perhaps have a a a different uh, different one, a little bit of a yeah. different take on it. I I, I think Jess Carter for me just because. 
maybe it's because I worry about her so much that when she does a good performance, I feel feel better. I think, you know, I feel like Harder was, like, probably the most talented player that we saw play today, and, like, I thought she was really good. But I think given the responsibility Jess had, how much it could have gone wrong, plus then getting the assist... Um, and I just thought she's, I just feel like generally she's showing a lot more, um, yeah, kind of like intelligence, you know, there, there were points where she was like putting her body between herself and the ball to win a foul, like knowing when to actually just Millie Bright style thump the ball out of play rather than trying to do like a sneaky little pass. Um, and then there were also some like great moments where she was like, genuinely like just skipping past Lauren Hemp to like run into the midfield as well so yeah and um I dropped in uh Chelsea women posted a photo of her and said Jess Carter appreciation post and uh Erin Cuthbert replied being saying RT 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 and I noticed that uh Maren Mielda um uh the right back we missed the most uh was also shouting out uh Jess on Instagram so I feel like lots of the Chelsea team appreciated Jess Carter's performance and who am I to argue with them Om, do you have a player of the match that you would like to highlight? I think it was harder for me because of, I think you could just see the discrepancy when she came off, did so many good things in attack. And I think when Chelsea started to get more defensive towards the end of the first half was the one consistently providing the out ball for them. Um, I would go her, but I think there's there's a real debate. I I might also say Cuthbert. I mean, I just, in general, looking at Cuthbert's versatility, and how she can play in like four or five different positions at like the 90th percentile is pretty crazy to me. Like, I don't, I don't know that many other players in world football who can do that. I mean, I was, I was tweeting out appreciation for her in a last game, the game before where she played like three different positions in that one match. And she was rating all of them. I think she's probably the most underrated footballer in the women's game at the moment. Like I, I'm just really impressed with, with everything that she does and I thought she was brilliant defensively today. I mean, she was the one dealing with Caroline Ware, who is the toughest central midfield assignment to deal with against Manchester City, not just because she has all the quality receiving and stuff, but she's the most dynamic mover. She makes tons of runs into the channel, right? She's never still. She's one of the most intelligent off-ball players that City have. She was great. I mean, I think Abdullah, that's also Abdullah's player, so I don't know if I just took everything he wanted to say. But if I wasn't going to go harder, I would say Cuthbert. I just I just wanted to give out my appreciation because I don't think I said anything about her on this podcast. Abdullah? Yeah, no, uh, it's I mean, I'll just I just add a couple of things onto that just to say that um, it's 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 incredible how last season Aaron Cuthbert was not struggling to get in the team, but she just wasn't getting the consistent minutes that we you know that we've, we've always wanted to see. And she's just kind of come in this season playing right wing back absolutely fantastic did so well at the beginning of the season gets moved to playing as a number right side of number 10 does fantastic you know the Arsenal game you know when she got moved in the first game of the season she got that assist I mean that was just a move forward amazing the Juventus goal from right wing back fantastic today she's in the last half thing playing as part of the double pivot on the right hand side you it's like this season you can play her in any position you don't see any drop in performance you don't see any drop in quality and and like Owen was saying that's like in the 90th percentile tell me which player has so much versatility but keeps their level of performance as high as Aaron Cuthbert and that too in an ever-changing system in terms of formations and and thing and you know it's 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 no wonder that um Emma Hayes trusts her so much now and I think 
I think if she's not in the team, there's a huge, huge disconnect in terms of the fact that the energy that she gives, the uh, the the running that she gives, and, and I think her breakup play, I think, is super underrated. I think one of the points that I think I've been chatting and making about since probably the summer is, I I I, I mean, the summer I wanted to say I wanted to see her play in this very position. This is the position I wanted to see Aaron Cutler play because I thought this is actually could could be her best position. And I thought this could be the position that she solves for Chelsea in terms of giving somebody a player who can break up play and really give them the dynamism going forward. And I think we saw both sides of that game today. We saw her play a couple of really good through passes. She made some really good runs off the ball, but then she also had her defensive discipline. And I think that's probably the biggest improvement that she's had this season is her positional discipline and being able to and know where she has to move. Because I think that was the one question mark I would have put on her in the beginning of the season. I think it's also like really telling on Hayes about how Hayes motivates her team because Aaron Cuthbert has like shone all season, but we've also talked about Guru Wrighton. We've talked about John Anderson, I guess, to kind of lesser extent. But these are all players who last season were like not first choice players at all. John Anderson didn't even start this season as a first choice player. But Hayes creates a culture where genuinely if you turn up when you're given your opportunity and you play well you will continue to be selected in this side and I think it's you know I I think Hayes is you know her ability to actually like manage a team in terms of the personalities within it is like for me that's the thing that she's the absolute best at and you see so many managers who will just like never follow through on giving those opportunities to players and I know people kind of joke about like the depth of Chelsea and like the stockpiling of talent but in some ways it is like a quite genuine meritocracy and I think you see players reach higher levels as as a result of that and that's the way competition is supposed to work but so many football clubs it, it doesn't happen that way ah you just said my favorite word meritocracy on this podcast so uh, yeah I, I totally agree with that I also think in big games um and this happens all over any sport right you need players like Aaron Cuthbert who are going to fight. You, it it define it's can sometimes define your performance to have, you know, players who uh, show up and take responsibility and don't back down. And uh, it, it, I know it's a lot of cliches that I just threw out there in a row, but to me, that is a huge part of any of these types of performances. And we'll certainly need that against Arsenal on Friday, which is how we're going to close out the show uh, now that we're running a little bit over, but that's all right. It's a lot to talk about. Uh, Arsenal, not in good form right now. Uh, kind of struggling, not doing their best job, uh, which is perfect timing uh, for them to, to come to Kings Meadow and, uh, and face off against Chelsea. Obviously, Chelsea still have the game in hand uh, to you know before we face them, but uh, they drew in a... I don't, is chaotic the right word uh, game against against United this weekend, Jesse? And, and maybe explain as to as to the impacts of that for for this weekend's match. Yeah, I don't know if it was chaotic so much as like it was pretty much Man United all the way through, apart from kind of one moment of brilliance from Viv Miedemar, as so often happens to kind of send Gina Blackstonius through on goal. But the big win for Chelsea is that Katie McCabe managed to get herself sent off, um, which was maybe a bit harsh, to be honest. I thought her second yellow card was like, whatever. Uh, I could see it both ways, but it's good. It means that, uh, yeah, Arsenal drew. Katie McCabe's not available on Friday. We'll have to see Arsenal kind of rearrange themselves. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Tobin Heath was starting the game, but went off at half time, so it'll probably depend on on her fitness as well. Um, but I think 
Um, basically, I really love Leah Williamson, but I'm going to pray she doesn't get fit this week. Uh, yeah, I, I remember when we were, were when uh, their social accounts were, were talking about her like she was dead um, after an injury. <laughs> And, and apparently she's she's now back, which is good for them. Uh, it, it is this is a crucial period, though, Abdullah. Right? I mean, we, we talked about it last week. You just beat United in a in a really good performance. You just beat City in a kind of okay performance. You play Arsenal for you know what is essentially the lead at the top of the table with the game in hand still. Right after where we were, I think we we're six points off at one point. Uh, so th- this is. You know, really a, a crucial match and our last chance to really get at them in the league uh, directly. Is is this you know kind of all or nothing on Friday? You know, I think the narrative suggests that it is, but at the same time, I think we've seen in the league it's been so unpredictable in that everybody's dropping points against any team. I mean, like you know, with Arsenal drawing games and Chelsea have drawn games, and obviously the Arsenal United game is a classic example of Arsenal dropping two points that they are arguably if United had held on for 10 more minutes they could have had zero points but you know I think while it'll be extremely beneficial for Chelsea to win the game on on Friday and I think and I think on the basis of everything I think they should win it just based on the fact that they're coming in with momentum of, of two two games that they've won against top opposition and and Arsenal have obviously drawn their last game against against a big big team but um I don't think it's going to be the complete be-all and end-all for the rest of the season because I do thoroughly believe that this will go down to the wire and there are more points to be dropped. Um, and, you know, you just have to look at the the way Arsenal have been playing. I mean, on, on, against United, it took them well, half, for a full half to be able to figure out, okay, what do we need to do to, to, to beat, you know, uh, United's press and get out and actually play properly. Um, and if it's taking them 45 minutes against United, if, if Chelsea come up with a decent game plan, you know, it, it could be it could it could be longer for them. And if Chelsea can be a little bit more clinical than United were, then you know it could be game over. And um, yeah, so I think I think there's reason to be optimistic for this game. Well, I'd tell you to get down to Kings Meadow if you haven't already, but you can't because they're sold out on Friday. So uh, unless you have a ticket already, uh, you, you, you could find one, but it would be uh, difficult. Uh, so really happy to see that. You could definitely hear the crowd today on TV. I must say that the crowd was great uh, at home. Uh, we are only uh, two points off of Arsenal, as we've said, uh, with one last game played, two uh, goals off their goal differential at 26. We have 24. Uh, and then uh, United creeping up the table uh, pretty significantly on 25 points, not only three behind Chelsea, but a much worse uh, goal differential. Uh, City sliding back into sixth, which is just a, a nice little spot for them to nestle for the rest of the year, uh, although I feel like they will end much higher than they are now. And uh, 538, although I argue with Dan on the uh, on the men's show about this, uh, has Chelsea in pole position to win the league, which means everyone needs to knock on wood or find some sort of magic thing to counteract that sort of absurd positivity. Um, but look, I mean, th- this is where we end, but Friday is huge. So if you're in the area and you're going to the game, get as loud as humanly fucking possible and make it a really tough environment for Arsenal to come play. Uh, and, and look, this is for the season series. Chelsea beat them in the FA Cup final. We lost in the first game of the year. Uh, let's go out and, and beat them again. Uh, what do you say, Jesse? Yeah, I can't wait. I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling good. We're going to do Whoa. it. Oh, 
Whoa, confident. You were, you were bricking it ahead of the FA Cup final. I, I mean... I will be bricking it. You will be able to see me in the South Stand crying on Friday night, guys. I'll see you all there crying. <laughs> uh, well, Om, thank you for joining us for this uh, extended uh, match review. But there's a lot of good stuff to dive into. We appreciate you. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure to be on. Abdullah, final words to you. Yeah, I'm excited for Friday. I think it's going to be great. Probably it's, it's going to kick off at midnight my time, but I'm probably going to going to make the effort and stay up and 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 finish it uh finish watching the game. So no, I'm excited. I think the the league is in an exciting position with the top 4 actually being very very close to each other on points and it's actually an exciting it's ex- exciting when you have like three to four contenders for the top spots and you know every game then counts against other uh, other opponents but um now nah, it's crazy and so oh i think we're probably going to see you for the next man city game in the conti cup final so probably you come on for that one just make it i'm the man city guy so now i'm always on <laughs> yeah you've taken on the energy yeah <laughs> that's how it works yeah (laughs) the label is stuck well we we have it we have it wrapped that's what it is uh you guys know what to do uh in the meantime of course go uh support them retweet all the stuff on social get get hyped for this one until next time chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high